morning, church. Reading this morning is from Luke 15, 3 through 7. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not, do not need to repent. Speaker this morning, and our guest speaker this morning is Dr. Matthew Morine. Matthew serves as the pulpit minister for the Castle Rock Church of Christ in Colorado. Uh, he's, I know he lives in the States, but he's Canadian. He was born and raised in Nova Scotia, and uh, he went to Texas when he was 19, where he was uh, uh, converted into Christ in baptism. And uh, from there, from, from there uh, God really prepared him and trained him to do ministry. He graduated from the Brown Trail School of Preaching, and I, I believe it's in Bedford, Texas, um, and he also uh, earned the Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies from Heritage Christian University, and I believe that's in Alabama. And then from, from there, he moved on to earn two master's degrees, one from Lipscomb University, uh, which is the Master of Arts in Biblical Studies, and another MDiv at Fried Hardman University. And then after that, he's not content yet. He had to get his doctorate of uh, ministry from Harding School of Theology. Um, he is the author of A Mountain-Moving Faith and Natural Evangelism, An Everyday Approach to Sharing the Gospel. Matthew is married to his beautiful wife, Charity, and they have two precious children, teenagers, named Gabrielle and Noah. And as you know, Matthew is here to encourage us uh, towards and equip us in natural evangelism. On Friday evening, he talked to us about um, not waiting for the lost to come to us, but to go to the lost. On Saturday, he talked to us about, um, hold on, I forgot. Um, yes, he talked to us about um, sharing a story, okay? Not selling a product, which is effective evangelism. And then on Saturday as well, he talked to us about um, evangelism starting in our homes. And today we have the opportunity to be encouraged one last time by Matthew. So please welcome Matthew Moran. Good morning. I've had an absolutely fantastic week in being here. I've enjoyed kind of the highlights running with Chad and Miles. I just wish they ran a little slower so I could feel a little better about myself. But fortunately, I went to an escape room with Donald Laverne and Seth. And fortunately, we set a record there. Uh, yes, if you would want to go, it's on the board, I believe. And... I never went to an escape room, but fortunately we had Seth, who is a, the ringer of the group, and he kind of dominated that. So we had a good time with that. I have been fed way too much, and I have enjoyed that very much. And so it has been a true treat to be here, and thank you so much for hosting me. I go to various churches, and various churches always have different ideas of what you do after a baptism. 
And a lot of congregations will clap. Other congregations will not clap. Some congregations like to clap after a baptism. Some congregations feel that it is wrong to clap. After a baptism, a lot of times I will go and stand in the back and shake everybody out of the building. And people, after a baptism, will, after somebody has clapped or the congregation has clapped, they will walk out and they will say to me, I can't believe they clapped. We shouldn't be clapping for a baptism. It's not entertainment. Why are we clapping? And I'll say, oh, really? And then other times, there will be a baptism. And the person will rise up out of the water to newness of life. And they come up. And they're so happy. They are overjoyed. And everybody in the congregation sits there. And there's not a sound to be made. And people will walk out in the back and they say, I can't believe we didn't clap. And I listen. And I say, yeah, yeah. And I can't help, every time this happens when I travel, to think about how people walk out in the back. And the number one thing they want to say to me is their approval Or disapproval over if we clapped or not. And I think what an exercise in completely missing the point. That someone has given their life to the Lord. The angels are rejoicing. And they are concerned. If we put our hands together or not. Instead of walking forward to greet them, to rejoice with them. They are walking to the back complaining over whether we clapped or not. Years ago, I wrote... A bulletin article. And I named it. Purpose Driven Evangelism. I was at the church for one week. One week. I was the youth minister lackey. That means they didn't really know what I was doing. And neither did I. But I knew I wrote this article. And I called it Purpose Driven Evangelism. An elder walked into my office. He had some things printed off the internet. Very dangerous. And he slammed it down on my desk. And he says, We do not do purpose-driven evangelism at this church. And I was a little shocked. Very confused. And I thought, We don't? He goes, no. And we will never do purpose-driven evangelism at this church. I said, why not? He goes, because 
other churches do that. There is this book that he heard about called Purpose Driven Church. And he was worried about the influence of this book. And he believed that I was bringing in Purpose Driven Church into his congregation. And he let me know that I was going to have one week left at that church. And then I was going to be fired. I never worked for a church before. I was in the South. I'm Canadian. I thought, is this how they do it down there? Finally, the president of the school had to call the elder to talk him down. Because he was bent on having me fired. Because I thought it was a good idea to be intentional about evangelism. Are we not for purpose-driven evangelism? I said nothing in the article besides we should be intentional. But he was worried. And I thought, this is an exercise in missing the point. We in... The churches of Christ have proclaimed for years. Baptism is the biggest decision you will ever make in your life. It is more important than who you will marry, what you will do for a career, and where you will live. That the biggest decision that you can ever make is to give your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have watched congregations... And I have no clue what you do. But I've watched numerous congregations in my travels. Somebody is baptized. They rise up out of that water after us telling them that you are now saved. Your sins are washed away. And it's this chirp, chirp, chirp of silence. And I always sit back and think, if you didn't know what was about to happen, you would sit back and have cognitive dissonance. Wait, you told me that the angels are rejoicing, that this was the biggest decision I will ever make in my lifetime. And you rise up out of that water and you have newness of life. You've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and you are rejoicing in your salvation. And everybody is... complete silence and I could not help through the years to never really understand why that made sense to us why somehow that was our tradition and we struggle with this I remember at one congregation one man he grew up in the Philadelphia, and at this congregation, they refused to clap at least, to make any sound. It was always silence after a baptism. And he was kind of a very rough character. He, he always wore all black to church like Johnny Cash. 
And he said he grew up kind of associated with the mafia. And he told me this did not make sense to him. And so he said the next baptism. He was going to stand up in the back and just clap. And his name was John. And I said, John, go for it. (laughs) And sometimes as a minister, you just got to see how this plays out. And I remember he stood up and he just boom, boom, boom. And everybody sat there. Nothing else happened. He was the lone person clapping. The next time, other people stood up. And the next thing you know, I sat back and thought, at least the person rising out of the water believed we were happy about this. If you look at rejoicing in the Bible, look at Luke 1.44. As soon as the sound Of your greeting reached my ears, the baby, John the Baptist, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The fetus, the child in the womb, rejoiced of the coming of Jesus Christ. Babies in wombs rejoice. Amos 5.21, I hate I despise your feasts and take no delight in your solemn assemblies. I've heard for years that silence is reverence. That it's a sign of respect. Amos is saying, sometimes God's even bored. That God's not sitting back thinking, well, there's this baptism and we will all sit in silent reverence no god is saying i don't delight in this john 15:11 these things i have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full when someone is saved it is a joyous event but look at this. 1 Samuel 18, 6-7. As they were coming home and David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. There's more celebration over dead people than we have celebrated over people who are now alive in Christ. They got more excited over dead people than we have. Over people coming to the Lord. One of the things I love about our churches is that we are a restoring church. 
that we believe in a New Testament pattern, that we should be in alignment with the early church. And so if they did something, we should do something. If you look at them, they were constantly rejoicing. Acts 5.41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They rejoiced when they got persecuted. And so why do we not practice baptismal celebration? We don't have a theology for it. We don't have tradition for it. We're not sure what it looks like. And every church, it may look different. But I want us, when we think about evangelism, we need to be consistent with what we're saying. I could come and tell you how to evangelize, but when somebody gives their life to the Lord and they see a disconnect, they're going to sit back and wonder, do we really take this seriously? Somebody comes and gives their life to Jesus, and we don't celebrate that. They wonder if we really mean what we say. I remember in Waynesboro, Tennessee... I got thinking about this, and I thought, this is strange. We don't celebrate salvation more often. So I came up with this idea of a baptismal celebration party. Not saying this is a great idea, but this was the idea that I had. I said, we, once a year, will have a party For all the people who were baptized this year. Now what does that mean? It meant this. We had a picture of all the members up front. And we framed it. We gave it to them. And we wrote our names on it. And then we had a potluck. Because that's what we do in the church. If something goes well, we eat. And so everybody got to have a potluck. In their honor. But you know what I noticed happened? They invited all their friends and family. They said, we're having a baptismal celebration. I'm the guest of honor. Mom, Dad, you should come. And their parents came. Their brothers and sisters came. And I preached a lesson on what the benefits of baptism are. I got to preach the gospel. To people who usually don't come. And then we ate fried chicken. That's what we do. (laughs) But if you look at this. We love to celebrate in this culture. I got the audacity. And the arrogance. To think once a year. We should have a party in my honor. We call it a birthday party. I get to have a cake. I get to go do something I like. People even give me presents. Oh, and because of the fact that I was born. (laughs) 
We celebrate Christmas, Easter, Valentine's Day, graduation, sporting victories. But none of these events compare to the event of being saved. I think we need to reconsider and restore celebration in our churches. This is a picture of me years ago. These are my kids. They're a little older. This is a picture of my wife. Usually it's just me bragging about how pretty my wife is. And this is why. But we thought about this in our own homes. And I said, we need to do something when our kids are baptized. And so when our kids were chose to be saved, they were baptized. We went and ate ice cream because that's what we do. We eat stuff. I didn't really have any grandiose plans but i thought we need to mark this day and we need to have friends over we need to join together and and celebrate that they chose to be saved to give their lives to the lord jesus christ they came over to our house we ate ice cream because you should always eat ice cream and then we had people that were close to us Give them a greeting and give them advice on living a Christian life. To give them a blessing. Every single year we mark their spiritual birthday. We do something special. We give them a little treat. We give them a little present. We do something so they know that that day was a significant day in their history. I thought that's... We should do this more often. Think about your life. Do you even recall the day that you were baptized? Do you know the date? I've met a lot of people who have forgotten. We should not forget that. Do you remember the day that you rose up out of that water? I do. I was in Oasis Canyon, Texas. Every Texan says now I get to go first in line to heaven. But we all know Canadians go first. Problem is, we're nicer, so we'd be like, no, no, you go. You go. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and all the Texans would just barge on through. It's not that we, they think they're getting to go first. No, no, they would demand to go first. <laughs> but I remember that day, rising up out of the water, in the joy I felt, do, do, do you remember that day when you have given your life to Jesus and the joy you felt? I think every single year we should be reminded of that. Every single year in our churches we should have a time where we all celebrate this. Because this was something that is so significant and that we have lost it. And I want you to think today, what traditions... Does your family or congregation have for a baptism? I think it looks different in every church. But I love to challenge church leaders. I want to challenge you in your homes. What can you do to make baptism uh, significant? And what can you do to make it a celebration? What can you do? To make it part of your congregation and your kids' story.
Let us restore celebration in our homes and in our churches. Because look at this. Colossians, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Give thanks. We have moved from darkness to light. Look at Acts 16, to 34. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. They had a party. And they fed the preacher, which I think is a really good example from Acts. When you've been baptized, you should feed the preacher. Nobody ever wants to highlight this, but this is what I do. You know, this is the pattern. Look at Acts 13, 48 to 49. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. They were rejoicing and glorifying God when they were saved. Luke 15, 6-7, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Luke 15:10 Just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents the angels and if you look at the times that they stop praising God is when they show up to celebrate with us that the angels When somebody has been saved, are there rejoicing. And what do you think that looks like? I have no absolute clue, but I am 100% confident that their rejoicing is not And now on to the announcements. They are doing something. When you rejoice in any other area of life, you're like, yeah! Yes! You jump up. Have you ever seen a sports team win a championship? The game comes to the end and they're like... Have you won a championship? We set the record in the escape room and we're still like, yeah, we are great. <laughs> but in our churches, we don't have the spirit of celebration. And I want to restore that. I want us to get back to that. I have a tradition. Every time I baptize somebody, 
And I always tell them, and I walk them through it, and I say, when you rise up out of the water, I'm going to give you a big hug. And I'm going to ask you, how do you feel? And everybody rises up out of the water, and I always ask them, how do you feel? And they always say to me, with a big smile on their face, I feel great. Because they just realized their sins have been washed away. They've been filled by the Holy Spirit. They love it. Except for once. There was this lady. And she was a friend of mine. She, uh, I did her wedding. And she was uh, maybe a little older than me at the time. And I baptized her. And she went down in the water. And then... She came up over the water, and I helped her up. And then all of a sudden, she punched me. Right here. Like, just boom. And I thought, oh, no, it didn't take. <laughs> I'm trying to go in for the hug, and she's boom. And I thought, no, no, the Spirit... <laughs> She didn't repent. She didn't believe. She didn't confess. This has gone wrong. And she goes to me. She goes, you dropped me. No. Then I hugged her. And I said, how do you feel? And after the violence, it will probably be a habitual sin that she has to struggle with. She goes, I feel great. Even violent women in the baptistry still feel great even after you drop them. Church, evangelism is a boat celebration. It's not about another number. It's about that person Receiving the gift of eternal life. Let us celebrate with them. To let them know. That's what we believe. That's who we are. And when we say you're making the biggest decision of your life. That is true. Because you are giving your life to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you haven't done that today, why not? Come. We want to celebrate with you. We want to rejoice with you. And the angels will join us if you do. Thank you so much.